Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor Podcast. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And we are joined also by Archer, l- angry, loud, a baby who wants to keep pulling my earbuds out of my ears. Yeah. So we're actually recording this just minutes after our previous episode. So Archer is in the same mood he was, what seems to you, like a week ago. So, um, James, what you been yeah. up to? I got back from Podfest and just in hermit mode still. <laughs> in hermit mode. What was the most fun thing that you did at Podfest? Uh, I mean, a lot of it was fun. It was really fun playing trivia with uh, Big Screen, Silver Screen podcast and uh, winning tickets. And winning tickets. You yeah. got VIP invitation back to Podfest next year, don't you? Yeah. Through through no skill of my own, by the way. That was all them. <laughs> they, they did an amazing job. Well, James, you got lucky. You got lucky. Uh-huh. Uh, how was the weather in Florida? Because Podfest was in Florida this year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was cold for Florida, but warm for here. Like when I got back, my car was just caked in ice, and I was like. Oh my god! <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna get back on the plane and go back to Florida mm. as soon as possible. How did your spiders do while you were out of town? Uh, you know, I was really worried, especially about Puerto, because they're so little. But everybody's good; they're all good. in good shape. I pro- they probably enjoyed my absence, frankly. <laughs> You're like, though, we don't have anybody to just exactly. stare at us creepily all day. <laughs> well. James, I'm glad that you're safe and back at home. Thanks. Um, what are we talking about during this week's episode? We're going to be talking about uh, Haunted Georgia. Haunted Georgia. So Alex, James, and I all went our separate ways, and we came back together, and we have some content to share with you about some spooky-ooky places around mm. the state of Georgia. James, who submitted this topic again? Let's give them another shout out. Absolutely. It was a big screen, little screen podcast. Yes. Which, so I, they, which in my Valerian adult brain, I may have said silver screen earlier. So we may need to look out for that. Well, <laughs> listen, it's the sleepy time tea, James. Yeah, man. So does anybody have a icebreaker? Um, yeah, actually, uh, you know, just thinking about Georgia, because Georgia's like, excluding Virginia, it's like the oldest southern state, and it's certainly the oldest deep south state. And uh, it got me to thinking about, like, the the period where states began forming. And so mm-hmm. this is my question to you all. If you had to pick an area of the United States before it was truly settled, like where would you envision yourself like living or pioneering or whatever? Oh, that's, I mean, I I absolutely, one of my biggest dreams is to get an RV and travel around the entire contiguous United States of America and explore all the different areas. I had no idea. Oh yeah. It's, it's on my bucket list, James. (laughs) One of my, favorite things about Georgia is that you can drive four hours this way and you're at the beach. You can drive a couple hours this way and you're in the mountains. You can drive a couple hours Mm. this way and it looks like you're in a desert. That's part of the reason that Georgia is such a popular state for recording film because there's Uh. so much landscape wise. So I like, I part of me would want to say that I would want to select um, someplace like Georgia, but I'm a Kentucky girl at heart. 
If I could go back there, I would in a heartbeat. So I think that I would want to select Kentucky just because it's so beautiful and it's got, you know, great, great land for agriculture. It's got lots of uh, forest for animals. So I feel like I could find everything that I would need to survive and thrive in Kentucky. Mm, James, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it would either be Kentucky, which I, you know, back in the day when they were first founding Kentucky, there was a lot of like uh, myths and legends where people were like, oh, it's like, it's like a brand new Garden of Eden, folks. You can't even walk between the trees. They're so close together and gigantic. Like, like the way they painted it was like <laughs> this Garden of Eden type place. Um, so either that or probably like really close to like the Canadian border where, where all like the, the mining and the fur trapping and all that was going on just cause like, it seemed like a, it seems like a really good get rich quick scheme. Uh, if you didn't know better, <laughs> which you yeah. wouldn't, if you were born back then, you'd be like, Oh, I'm going to get gold and, and beaver pelts and it's going to be awesome. Beaver. So, James, yeah. James, hmm? if, if you had to go back in time and you were living in like the 1700s and the 1800s in America, would do you think that you would be able to survive with your skills? Uh, you know, it's hard to say because, you know, it, you were definitely at the mercy of more random things. You know, you nick your foot and, you know, you might just die from it. So, oh, you know. James, it, I accidentally cut my, cut my fingers while mm. I was opening a can of baby formula the other day. <laughs> And I literally had that thought. I thought if I was alive during the, you know, late 1700s, this mm. would probably get infected and I'd be yeah. done for. On We're the bright so side. soft nowadays. <laughs> well, in the, in the 1700s, baby formula cans were called cows. So there's that too. <laughs> baby. Alex, what did they, how did they refer to milk during that documentary we watched with Eric for the 13th Floor podcast? Baby cow growth hormone. Yeah, that's yeah. Mm. So, James, get your facts straight. It's baby cow growth hormone. <laughs> okay, Alex, if you yeah. had to select any area to settle and create your own state, where would it be? Probably. So, I'm not saying this because I'm here, uh. but probably the southern Georgia area because, A, it's not swampland. This terrifying Florida swampland. I wouldn't <laughs> want to be settling that. No alligators. Me. Yeah, but and it's but it's it's enough like ah, Kentucky. I knew it's enough like Kentucky that it's like a very habitable. Yeah. Very um, not a lot of danger. There's still there's still some danger here, but not a lot of danger. But you don't have the harsh winter. Not mm. not nearly as bad. So if you go southern, <laughs> s- little southern Georgia, I think it's perfect. I yeah. I knew when we when I came up with this question, you would find a way to insult other states. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, that. It's been a very common discussion in our life right now, mm. Alex and I. I'm uh, talking about the gray weather because it's been quite gray here uh, in Georgia for a, a couple of weeks now, yeah. and so he's been very sad and depressed. He's like. Mm. Where is the sun? So I could not. I thought for sure Alex was going to say Florida, but then I forgot about like mosquitoes and the alligators, which is a no go for Alex. So, Alex, I think you made the right choice. He says he did. He says he did. Um, Okay. Well, you know what? How about we talk about some haunted Georgia? James, do you want to start us off today? 
Sure. And uh, it's funny. This was just a coincidence. At some point, I know that we've talked kind of about haunted hotels, but I've got two haunted hotels. Two and, haunted uh, hotels. Yeah. Uh, there's one in uh, Atlanta and one in Savannah. Okay. And what's really weird about both of them is you can literally like go to either of them. Like you could, they have Yelp reviews. You can book rooms. Like it exists. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, it's just super weird. And let's let's start with uh, the Hamilton Turner Inn. That's the one in Savannah, and it kind of pushes for me the definition of hotel. It's like it's got a whopping like fifteen rooms or something. <laughs> It's uh, it's more like a giant bed and breakfast as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, for back in the day, I guess it was probably a suitable hotel. So the Hamilton Turner Inn, uh, sometimes, well, it's, it's attached to the Samuel P. Hamilton House. Historic mansion, dates back to 1873, very pretty. Now it's a luxury inn where you can get, like, port and cookies and, like, all sorts of things. Again, very more bed and breakfast than, like, you know, the – the Hilton or something, yeah. but it was it was created by a fella named Samuel Pugh Hamilton from Virginia originally, and he, people called him the Lord of Lafayette Square, and he just seems like the waspiest guy ever. Like like I can't think of this guy without thinking of the millionaire from Gilligan's Island. Oh and, yeah, and his wife Sarah Virginia, whose maiden name was St- Stillings. Again, the waspiest names ever coupled with the fact that they were super rich and they literally made the area to just rub elbows with other elite people in, in Savannah at the time. So it was like kind of, kind of like the, uh, the Hamptons, but in Georgia, that's kind of like what they ended up creating. So what ended up happening though, was nothing like tragic or Big, like like the thing that I, I'm going to talk about. But, but l- let me just preface that by saying fires back then were really common. Fires well, back then, huh? Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, things were really, they were really common, but also like the structures were just made of pure wood. Yeah. Yeah. Entire towns could just go up in smoke if if the conditions were right. Um, funny enough, Mr. Mr. Hamilton here, he uh, he was very... Detail oriented when it came to building this house. It's one, it's beautiful, but two, he also decided to put in a Connecticut limestone roof, which is, you know, a fancy, beautiful, aesthetic roof made of stone rather than of wood. And for that reason, when the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist caught fire in 1898, the house was burned, but it wasn't straight up destroyed. It actually mm-hmm. survived most of. The, the damage. And as a result, it's able to continue to exist. And it was actually uh, a home for, for nurses in the twenties, mainly because, you know, the war is going on. And so it's had, it's got a lot of history. It's very pretty. The most notable thing about this, this house in the modern era is that it was actually featured in John Barrent's book in 1994, midnight in the garden of good and evil. And it was, a fictionalized book, but it was it was run by this guy named Joe Odom, uh, who is, as far as I know, was a real guy. So, like, this isn't what's a good word for that? How do you how do you describe that? I mean, it's well, no, I suppose it would be true crime. I suppose it wasn't embellished at all. Uh, I keep just thinking of the film, but anyway, sorry about that. 
I'm getting off topic. Um, but that was actually the the home in the book. And as people are pretty well acquainted, because this was a bestseller and, and the movie, you know, was was extremely well received, just the overall background. But, you know, there was a fellow named Danny Hansford who was a male prostitute, and uh, he ended up getting shot by Jim Williams, who was an antiques dealer who was also the guy's boss, which kind of shows you uh, some of the, the cookie jars this guy dipped into. But it led to several murder trials. And the last one, the fourth one, he ended up being acquitted after the judge decided to cha- to move the case away from the Savannah jury pool. That was literally how he got acquitted. He said it was self-defense, and it was well known that Hansford was – he had an anger problem. But nobody really knows with absolute certainty what transpired. It's it's one of those things that just kind of shook a whole community and led to, again, a really fascinating true, true, true crime story. And uh, there was actually a uh, statue put up to commemorate that called the, the bird girl statue. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, it's one of those things that really stands out in, uh, I guess you could say modern Southern Gothic culture. <laughs> if that uh, is a good word for it. But the thing I'm most intrigued by about the Hamilton Turner Inn isn't just the background, the fire survival and the uh, association with true crime. Cause all that is, fascinating but what's more interesting to me is again one you can absolutely stay at this place and there's a lot of ghost sightings because again a lot of people died in well it's an old hotel yes <laughs> that's it's an, that's, yeah. that's what i'm kind of trying to suggest because there's not been like i said a, a tragedy or anything but to me the most interesting ghost that a lot of people have seen i always get interested when there's a haunting where a lot of people make observations and those observations just happen to be pretty uniform because at that point, even though you're dealing with something paranormal, it's harder to argue against it. Like if, if I go outside and I see a walnut tree and a red squirrel in it and somebody else does, we can conclude that we're seeing the same thing. Well, this hotel, lots of people, lots of people see a guy smoking a cigar and he fades out of sight, which if you don't buy into my explanation for what a ghost is, which, you know, I've mentioned this in the show before, but I think that hauntings are sort of like temporal dips in space time where something really emotionally charged happened. And so now we see the ripples of it. But if that's not the case, then doesn't that mean that if a ghost smokes a cigar, that the cigar has a soul? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, like, how do we explain the the non-human objects that we associate with ghosts, like their clothing and, and their little uh, accessories? But a lot of people have seen a smoking man, a fellow with a cigar, as well as several other, you know, specters have been mm-hmm. witnessed at this place. So it's one of the most haunted hotels in America, and it's one of, more on that with Alex, one of the most haunted hotels in Georgia as well. Okay, well, 
I wouldn't want to stay there. James, if you had the option to stay at a haunted hotel such as that one, would mm. would you go? Would you oh, stay? Yeah. I mean, really, the only thing I wouldn't stay for is the port cookies because I don't really like port. James, you are you are a nut. Not because you don't like port, but because <laughs> you're not afraid of ghosts. Okay, nope. you know what? I'm gonna go next, mm. and then when it's Alex's turn, I will take the baby, even though it looks mm. like he's sleeping right now. Um. Okay, so I am going to uh, kind of kick the hotel haunts to the side for mine. Mm. I'm talking about uh, two places. I'll do my first my haunted spooky ooky place, and then the other place is. Not necessarily haunted per se, but it does have a, a creepy reputation. So I'm going to start out talking about Camp Rutledge slash Camp Daniel Morgan. Have you ever heard of this, James? I have not. Ooh, well, you know what? I was like racking my brain. I'm like sitting here thinking, Daniel Morgan, like, why is that name so familiar? My brother's best friend growing up was named Daniel Morgan. So <laughs> I have no idea where that boy is these days. But if you're listening, Daniel, Dan. Dan Morgan, I hope you're doing well. Okay, so Camp Rutledge slash Camp Daniel Morgan. Technically two camps that are on the same little area. Uh, located in Hard Labor Creek State Park. Ooh, what a rough name. Out- Hard Labor Creek. Yeah, it's, I don't, I don't know who named that park, but that's not what I would have gone with. <laughs> but it's just about an hour away from Atlanta. So... It's a campground, all these little buildings. It looks like um, it looks like the camp from Lindsay Lohan's claim to fame, The Parent Trap, right? It's like a, a sleepaway camp is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and going all the way back to the 1800s, like this, this piece of land has a long stretch of history, but there were lots of stories and legends about fights that were happening between the the Native Americans that were living on this piece of land and settlers, mm. specifically over deer and hunting grounds. So these groups would trade trade items with one another. And so the settlers would give um, the, the Native Americans like weapons. And in return, the Native Americans would give them things like deer pelts. Well, having all these people in that one area – it led mm. to resources getting diminished all across the board. And everybody's fighting for resources. And they're like, "That's those are my deer. And they're like, no, they're my deer. So anyways, there was a massacre on November 6th, 1813. Um, and people died. There was lots of blood. It wasn't good. Mm. So that leads me to the, there are two ghosts that supposedly occupy this land. One of them, some man, James, some man. No idea who he is. Just a guy. But he supposedly goes, he knocks on the doors of the camp really loud at night. He'll bang on the walls. And some people posit that he might have actually been uh, a settler running around to tell everybody that the Native Americans were coming or vice versa. So Mm. that's kind of the the thought behind that one. I, I hear something like that and I think, oh, that would be such a good, easy, practical joke to play on somebody. Like, oh. People think there's a ghost here. I'm going to go bang on the side of this this campground door and see what happens. That being said, I don't know. I don't know. I've never had an experience like that at the campground. So maybe it's real. And then the second ghost is supposedly a child named Ethan. Said to have wandered away from his family's campsite on these grounds in 
1973. So not that long ago, uh, you know, comparatively, but his, he was never found allegedly. And his ghost said to play ball. He's got this little tiny red ball that he'll roll to people who spot him. So it also said that sometimes it's like at Waverly. I know that's what it made me think of was the, the play at Waverly, but he'll supposedly laugh when he does it, which I think would probably be absolutely terrifying (laughs) if that did happen to you and you were on the, Oh, it gives me chills just thinking about it. Yeah. Ooh. Well, if you look up pictures of the camp online, it also might look familiar you guys, because guess what? The lake is more commonly referred to in pop culture circles as camp crystal lake i knew it oh man it's the filming location of 1986's friday the 13th jason lives yeah well you know i i've never seen the movie i can't claim it alex is over there with baby archer he's asleep on his chest but he um he's he gave me the look like oh a movie I wish I was listening to this conversation. So <laughs> you can stay at this park just like you can at James's hotel. You can actually reserve a reserve. You can have a reservation at this park, but it looks like it's fully booked. I tried to find pricing information and everything that I found was like, Oh, it's booked. It's booked. It's booked. It's not available. So I don't know how much it's going to cost you to stay here. And I found some reviews on Google. Most of them were very, very good overall. This campsite had 4.5 stars on Google, but I thought I'd read just a couple of these reviews because like, Mm. why not? Right. Sure. Okay. The first one, four stars. This is from four years ago. So keep in mind, this was pre COVID days quote, great place for a rustic camping event. We went to a LARP event here and it was perfect for that. It's at the end of a long, a mile long dirt road. So you definitely feel like you're leaving civilization. Just keep in mind that it is an old campground and probably just a step above primitive camping in that it's cabins and such. So that one I feel gives you the perfect kind of explanation of what this camp looks like and what it feels like. You know, you feel like you're living civilization. So I don't know. I like that review. And then this one's from a year, year ago. Five stars. They said, quote, a few of my friends died, but other than that, capture the flag was fun. (laughs) And then one year ago, also one star review. My bestie Cindy died here, sad face. So I guess what I want to say is that a lot of these reviews you can't take seriously because they're just mocking Jason lives. Right. So, you know, take that 4.5 stars with a grain of salt. Because I don't know how it is. You're going to have to go check it out for yourself, James. (laughs) Okay. By the way, I got all that information from Stuckies.com and then Google. Mm. My second spot. And this is something. This place has quite the reputation in Atlanta. I feel like people around the U.S. might know about it. But it's, it's more so something that people within Atlanta and Georgia know about. Got my information from narcity.com and that is the murder kroger james have you ever heard of the murder kroger i have not okay so it's located in atlanta it's a a kroger and uh, it's itp so it's inside the perimeter it's near ponce and highlands uh located right next to the belt line i actually used to work in a building right next door to where this is so i 
walked past the the murder Kroger quite a couple of times. And it's it can kind of be a dangerous area. There there are things that go on here that can can you want to you want to stay uh, you, you want to keep your head on a swivel sometimes when you're walking around the area in some cases. But anyways, the area it's kind of got this nickname, the Murder Kroger. Some people say that it earned the nickname because it has an awful parking lot that makes people want to murder others. Mm. Uh, that being said, there actually were some deaths in this area over a span of years. The first starting in 1991, um, a woman was shot and killed in the parking lot. Apparently, from what I read, some somebody in a car bumped her with her car. She was like crossing the street. Yeah, I guess walking through the parking lot and she wasn't moving fast enough. So this person bumped her with her car. She sprayed them with mace and then they pulled out a gun and shot her, which is absolutely ridiculous. And this murder is still unsolved. So Whoa. that's kind of what started this whole reputation for this particular Kroger. And there are the Krogers in Georgia. A lot of them have nicknames. Like there's uh, apparently there's also a disco Kroger. So anyways, 2002, and this wasn't necessarily a murder per se, but we also don't really know what happened. But people pull up to the Kroger and they're just like, oh, it smells absolutely terrible out here. And there was a dead man found in a car. So I couldn't Mm. find much information as to what happened there, just the investigation. In 2012, a a 20-year-old, a Georgia State student named Lee Lowry was killed inside of this, I guess, housing, which shared a parking lot with the murder Kroger. And then in 2015, Joshua Ritchie, who was a construction worker was shot and killed just next door to the parking lot. So, you know, stuff has happened here, which has kind of led to the, the moniker murder Kroger, right? Kroger. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize that that was its nickname until after I stopped working in the area. It always kind of made me uncomfortable walking through the area because there's like, strip club and a liquor store and, and all this stuff kind mm. of around the area. And so, you know, I don't drink, I don't do any of that stuff. So sometimes it just happens. Like, <laughs> made I love that you had to clarify that you don't go to like strip clubs and liquor stores on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make, make sure everybody knows mm. that. So uh, it's not really my scene. Um, but then after I stopped working at Ponce, I, I found out that that's what it was called. But while I was working there, the, the Kroger got demolished, okay? It got shut down in October of 2016, and then it was demolished shortly afterwards because it had such a bad reputation, and they built a new. It, it, the area is now like mixed-use development, so there's offices, and then there's also a new Kroger, okay? Mm. It opened in 2019. I have not actually been there. I have not seen it. I've seen pictures new online. Kroger. Yeah, well, this is the thing. They tried to uh, change the name, to Beltline Kroger, but there was already another Beltline Kroger. So there can't be two Beltline Krogers and people just kind of like, it's the murder Kroger to people. It's the flatline Kroger. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the, they tried to change it, but there was a a Georgia paper that said it's the, the nickname that just, you know, won't die. So Mm. also a lot of people report muggings, carjackings in this particular area still. And uh, also, I read this long thread on Reddit from people who were chatting about um, just what they experienced at the Kroger. 
And a lot of employees didn't like working there because apparently the break room was really small. I don't know. And I also read that they removed a board once somewhere and it was just like a swarm of cockroaches came out. Well, James, guess what? There was also, and I think that this was before it was demolished and the new was was built, but there was a rat infestation. Mm. People were talking about like you just walk around the store and oh, there's a rat in the corner just like hanging out. Who managed this place? This is just bananas. Dead people in the parking lot, rats and roaches inside. Yeah, it was. It was. It was not the the. Uh, you know, it had a reputation, James. It had a reputation, <laughs> and there are people that actually have and sell Murder Kroger T-shirts. So you can get a T-shirt that has basically the the logo, except instead of Kroger, it says Murder. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's nuts. It's got a reputation, even though they've kind of tried to to change uh, public perception of this place. I'm sure that like, I'm sure it's perfectly fine now. I don't know. I've never been, but it's it's a kind of just a, a mythology around it that people can't can't leave to the past. Uh-huh. So uh, that's those are my two topics, Alex. Alex, it's your turn. Yeah. Um, <coughs> try not to wake this little dude up, Wom. Okay. All right. So. I had a few local, very local um, topics that I wanted to go over. And one of them is this little thing that a lot of people use every day. Every day? The Marta. Are you, the Marta's haunted? There's a Marta ghost. A Marta ghost. Okay, and so for anybody that doesn't know what the Marta is, what is the Marta, Alex? So the Marta is public transportation in Atlanta. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's like the subway, the right? Subway. It, it's got it's got a train component. It's got a a bus component. Like yeah, it's just public transportation in the Atlanta area. But most people when they hear Marta, they associate it with the trains. Yeah, that go into the city and uh, all that stuff that comes with it. Now. There was a recent experience uh, just a few years ago where a a patron of the Marta he was he was right he got in on the train he sat down in his seat he, you know, he's he's there he's he's tired he's got off work you know he's he's ready to get home <laughs> he's ready to go yeah so the train pulls up he gets on and you know this is business as usual and. While he's sitting down, he notices this odd fellow. He comes in. This is the middle of the day, mind you. He walked in. His clothes were all really nice and vibrant. His hair was tied up in a scarf on his head. And he walked down the aisle, and he sits opposite of this man. Well, of all the places on the train, it's empty, and he sits there. Hmm. Yes, yes. Now, now, there are a few people there. It's not completely empty. You know? Okay. Uh, a little empty for 4.30 uh, after work, you know. But still, there's still a couple people on the train. And so he glances over. He sees him wearing there. You know, that despite his nice clothes, he is wearing house shoes. Okay. And he has a ton of shopping bags. Notably, he says, a bag from Steve Madden. Steve Madden. Okay. <laughs> okay. He said. He said the man slumped down in his seat and appeared to doze off. 
And he said, well, not wanting to stare at him, he did what everybody does, and he just got on his phone. That's <laughs> what I would do. And played on it. Now, as the train began to stop at, at where he was wanting to go, his, his home, the he starts to stand up, and he notices that the man that was sitting right in front of him with the Steve Madden bags <laughs> is no longer there. Hmm. Not only is he not there, there's only three... Uh, three or four other people on the on the train, and he's none of them. And there was nowhere that he could have gotten off at. So he just like disappeared so, in thin air. Yep. Yeah. So this is a ghost. So it's the, the Steve Madden ghost. Steve Madden ghost. So, <laughs> now that's not his formal name, but that that is a uh, <laughs> that is, yeah, I guess what this guy is calling him. Now the interesting thing though is that. Reports of ghosts showing up on the Marta. This isn't the first time. Mm. Back in the mid-1980s, um, a man named Hurt cut cut out. Uh, oh. he, he went home on the Marta, just like everybody else on the trans- public transportation. He's sitting there jamming on his probably Walkman in the mid-80s, I guess it would be. And he noticed something move next to the reflection of one of the windows. So he's sitting there, and this guy comes and just plops down right next to him. Like, it really, there's the whole train to go sit in, and he comes and sits right next to him. It's like when you go to the movie theater, and that guy, the whole theater's empty, and the guy comes and sits right next to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's that man. This Mm -hmm. ghost is that person. Um, (laughs) And so this guy, this person... Uh, it's about forty. He describes as forty-ish with black, with black hair and a business suit. Kevin sat next to him, and and when uh, after he was sitting there for a while, Hurt looked away, and he looked back. And he was gone. He disappeared and nobody in the thin was air, there. and no one has any idea what the origins of what these guys could be. Like it just seems to be things that. Happen on the Marta occasionally. Mm. Ghosts just show sounds up. Sounds like people like. glitch or something. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Just a little bit of glitching, maybe in the Matrix, <laughs> as they go about their business right after work. I mean, these are daytime ghosts. Well, these are daytime, <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> daytime ghosts. I mean, that sounds I mean, like a really not, good album name. Daytime. <laughs> they are not waiting for the sun to go down. They're like, <laughs> these are bold. But they're also pretty mild as well. Well, I like oh. that they just, they come, this reminds me of two things, okay? This reminds me of the television show, Hey Arnold. Do you know that episode where oh, they're on the yeah, haunted train? The haunted train. It's a classic episode. Yeah, classic episode. And it ends all creepy with the creepy kid. Yeah. Um, and then it also, like, I just stop and I think, what if they looked at the people that sat in front of them and then they didn't have any faces? Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be, that'd be terrifying. That's like my worst dream come true. Here, I'm going to take Archer so that Alex can... I'm covered in pee. You are? All right. Cece's taking the reins. I'm covered in pee. So I'm going to make my last one a little shorter. <laughs> so... So, uh, I wanted to also cover, um, wait, James, did you cover Weinkoff? 
No. <laughs> you didn't. Oh, that was so uh-huh. sweet of you because I heard Cece talking to you and I was like, oh, I guess yeah. he covered Weinkoff. So. No worries. Yeah. But if you want to give me my hype man on this, feel free. Okay. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, there is this hotel that was built, the Weinkoff Hotel. Now, this hotel was deemed to be fireproof. <laughs> it was it's like the Titanic, <laughs> you know? It's the unsinkable ship. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. What could go wrong when you call something fireproof? Hmm. And so, yeah, they call this, this is the big fireproof hotel. You don't got to worry when you come here. Well, then in 1946, 119 people died from a fire. Apparently, James, I didn't know this, nearly one third of them died from jumping out of the windows trying to escape. And one person didn't. It was like an iconic photo. It was kind of like the 9-11 jump, except... She actually straight up survived, like straight up survived. She was born in like 1905. The fire was in 19, what was it, 46? 46? She yeah, died she in was... 92. What? Yeah, she made it. She made they say, it. They say smoke inhalation is good for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? So yeah. she survived. Did, you, did she have like any major injuries or anything? Uh, one very major injury. She actually did have to have a limb amputated. So it did not, it, it wasn't good, but she made it, you know? Right. And it was actually a Pulitzer. It was the first amateur Pulitzer, uh, first amateur photographer to ever get a Pulitzer was the dude who picked, took the photo of her jumping. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm yeah. going to have to look into this photo. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the Titanic on Peachtree, uh, <laughs> As it became known, eventually, of course, they had to change that but that t- title. Or oh, I thought I was being place. clever. I had no idea. That, like, that's actually what yeah. they called it. Yeah, yeah, it's called the Titanic on Peachtree. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it sparked a bunch of major changes for the city in terms of building codes for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. And um, so it's actually pretty, pretty... The incident is really important. Is really important for not just the city, but also this is the this is the highest death count for a building fire. Yeah, uh, James. Yeah, bananas. Which I mean, is like, nuts. I mean, that was a long time ago, and <laughs> we, yeah. we were packed like sardines in so many buildings. And it's kind of amazing that back then we we hit our. Uh, they killed so many people yeah, died in a fire. It's like wild. That. Actually, the the people who originally owned the building were killed too in the fire. So yeah, the whole thing is just it's nuts. Wow. Uh, and, and, and you know, James, they say <laughs> there's all kinds of spooky stuff going on still. Yeah, yeah. They the renamed hotel. it the Ellis Hotel, and uh, the Ellis Hotel. Even though they changed the name, the, the ghosts don't know any better. They still think <laughs> they're in the wine cough. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess part of the reason why so many people died was because of when the fire started. So, allegedly, the fire alarm has been known to go off at 2.48 a.m., which mm. is the exact same time that the fire started at the hotel. Ooh, spooky. Isn't that spooky? Isn't that spooky? <laughs> yeah, and some people report strange smells of smoke and sounds of, like, people running in the hallways. Yeah. So, there's, there's all kinds of spooky stuff. Of course, ghosts. You gotta have yes. ghosts in a hotel, but um, so there's lots of things going on at the Ellis Hotel. Wink, <laughs> wink, <laughs> nod, nod. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a place I would stay. Now, James, you told Cece you would stay in a haunted hotel. 
I, I did. And this one's got a four-star review on Google Reviews, so, you know, mm-hmm. seems like a pretty good place for a haunted hotel where almost 120 people died. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel, it feels a little weird to maybe staying in a place like that. But, you know, how many places have I gone where I'm, like, on an ancient Indian burial ground? Exactly. We live on a planet that's just... The, the earth is is a ball of of feces and corpses. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really great note of positivity mm-hmm. to end on. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, like- one one thing I will ha- I gotta also say is I have to read this review. Um, seated quickly, succulent menu, moderate prices, and pleasant succulent menu. Like oh, I'm wow. convinced. That is a demon or ghost who wrote that review. Because oh, who? Yeah, what tourist describes a hotel like that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, that was that was a ghost describing its next victim. Yeah, Sounds exactly. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's a good point, James. Not I want to go there even less now. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh man. Wow. I, I think that covers it. I, I've never asked this question before, so it feels weird. But uh, who does our music? <laughs> oh, our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to mu- music. Uh, James, yeah, that was weird. Uh, that was really <laughs> weird. Right. It, mm. That did feel weird. I uh, I don't know how to I feel some kind of way about it. I'm not sure how yeah. quite to describe it. <laughs> oh, oh, I hear Cece coming down, so maybe uh, she can help go. us. Uh, at least, with at our least, outro. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we're we're struggling over here. I got the music down, but we're just talking about how weird it is without you. So Please. come back in here. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up so I can get out of these PP coming yeah. close. Yeah, it's about time to stank. <laughs> well, you guys, until next week, we hope that you can keep, keep it, it straight. straight.